0: Welcome back to Mince Levin's From the Edge. I am Jeremy Glazer, the co-chair of the Mince 11 Venture Capital and Emerging Company Practice. Mince Levin is a nationally leading law firm focused on helping emerging growth companies achieve success. Check us out at minceedge.com. Well, I am really pleased to welcome today Dick Pfister. Dick, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Dick is the CEO and founder of AlphaCore Capital and AlphaCore Technologies. AlphaCore is a San Diego-based wealth management and financial technology company that believes methods of asset allocation, client communication, and financial planning should evolve with the changing markets. AlphaCore delivers a holistic approach to enhancing customer relationships and portfolio diversification to help achieve long-term goals by utilizing traditional investments along with technology and alternative strategies. Dick has a very long career in the financial industry. He began his career in 1993 on the floor of the Chicago Mercantile Exchange as a technical analyst and trader. Shortly thereafter, he met his former partners at Altegras. Dick became a partner, executive vice president, investment committee member, and managing director of Altegras Investments. Altegras was later sold to a Fortune 500 company in 2010 and then sold again to a private equity buyer in 2013. On today's podcast, Dick is going to discuss with us how he built Altegris with a group of his partners and his current firm, AlphaCore, and share with us some of the lessons he's learned along the way. Well, thanks again, Dick, for being
1: with us. Thanks again for having me, Jeremy.
0: So I always like to start by asking, why did you decide to work in the business that you're in, the investment management business? Of all the things you could have done with your life, why that?
1: That's a good question, and uh, it started when I was A young kid actually. Um, I I was the youngest of five growing up in northern Wisconsin and my father was a dentist so you might think well what does that have to do with investing Uh, but he in the early 70s invested very very heavily in gold and if you remember back in the day dentists would use gold for fillings and he bought gold Krugerrands based upon a recommendation from from my mother's brother, so my uncle, who was in investments, and my uh, my uncle had told my father, who had access to gold in the day in the '70s, that he should start loading up on gold because inflation's coming, and uh, and so he did. He he bought literally uh, hundreds of gold Krugerrands from from uh, African Krugerrands, and when I was uh, that was probably around nine or ten, I was painting my room. Uh, and I was painting stripes in my room, which my parents didn't know about, obviously. But I, uh, I had taped off the walls, and, uh, and I went out to the garage to get the paint, to paint the stripes on my walls. And when I went underneath the workbench, I opened up a paint, first paint can I opened up, was there were gold Krugerrands in the paint can. And then I said, I don't mean, I didn't even know what they were at the time. So then I went to the next paint can, and that one was filled with gold Krugerrands too. So I literally took the cans and I ran into the house and I asked my mom, I said, mommy, mommy, what are these What are these things that are in this paint can? She said, oh, that's just daddy's gold. Don't don't worry <laughs> about that. And that instantly piqued my curiosity and what it was all about. So as I got older, I would ask my, my father about what, what he did with these. And, and if you remember, inflation spiked dramatically in the 70s and gold prices went through the roof. And my dad did very well on that particular investment in gold. So then I... I said, well, how did you get the idea? And my uncle had told my father about it. My father or my uncle was a um, technical analyst in the 70s and the 80s uh, for a bank in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, and when I ended up going to school, I uh, ended up going to school in San Diego. It's, therefore, I ended up in San Diego. Uh, I went to University of San Diego, got a finance degree. Uh, and then when I graduated, um, he said, introduced me to the, the exchange in Chicago. Um, and I was hooked from as a little kid, but even got more into it being a floor trader uh, for Dean Witter in Chicago. And, and that began my career and have never left it since. So then you met your partners and you formed Altagoras. Right. How did you all meet? Uh, it was an interesting, interesting uh, you know, process. So I had moved back to Chicago. I was trading on the floor. I got to meet some of the largest investment managers. Uh, of the day. In the early nineties, these names weren't well known, but they're kind of of well known today. So names like George Soros or Paul Tudor Jones, uh, these managers are legendary hedge fund managers. Um, And back then they would trade currencies um, through Dean Witter. uh, And I got to meet them, talk to them, understand how they managed risk. My uh, former partner and, and CEO of Altegris, John Sunt, was looking for a research analyst. Uh, And I was looking to come back to San Diego. Now, John was based here, grew up here, uh, went to UCSD, and I was happy to come back uh, to San Diego. So I came back in 1998 and joined up with John, uh, and we started to do multi-manager portfolios of world-class money managers. Uh, Some of them would call them hedge fund managers. They were really just... Good risk managers, and uh, we put those together for family offices, and eventually started to put them together for other investment advisors. And we are, were inside a division of a larger, much larger company called Man Investments, and uh, they were based in London. We were always based in San Diego and La Jolla, which w- so gave us a lot of autonomy to do our own thing. Uh, and so John, you know, and and the and three other uh, partners. Uh, said, so, you know what? We, let's take this outside of man and let's create uh, our own firm uh, and be independent, be a boutique uh, wealth management firm. And that was started in 2002 um, and we grew. Luckily, from a timing perspective, uh, that was right after the tech wreck happened, the dot-com bust. And our money managers did fairly well throughout that crisis. And uh, that put us on the map. And, um, and then again, Further um, good good performance from our managers and the selections we made in 2008 uh, and, and we grew to over $4 billion of assets under management. Um,
0: wow, that was a really good time to be an alternative investments. Everybody was piling into investments mm-hmm. that, as we all know, ended up getting severely damaged both in 01 and also in 08. Right.
1: Very, very good. Yeah. It's, uh, and the world of investments has evolved dramatically over the last two decades, to say the least. Um, and it's part of the reason why I've launched AlphaCore because, uh, while you're in, in the world of alternatives, which I, I know and I love dearly, that world is um, is is what I would call uh, alternative in that it is a complement to stocks and bonds and traditional real estate investments. So the idea behind uh, the new firm that I launched is to blend those things together so you don't uh, only have one that works only in a crisis, you have the rest of it that actually works in between the crisis events.
0: So for our listeners who are thinking about starting an investment management business, do you need to get outside capital to start one of these businesses? Did you need outside Mm -hmm. capital for Altegris? Did you need outside capital for AlphaCore?
1: Uh, In in both cases we didn't take outside capital on day one. We were self-funded. I'll talk in particular about AlphaCore. Part of the reason why I launched the firm was I was looking for an investment manager myself and had interviewed kind of the usual suspects, the, the names we all know, large banks and investment advisors. And I was not entirely satisfied with the, the product they were offering or the wealth management advice they were giving. Um, so I decided to launch AlphaCore with my own capital, um, and which leads you to have a lot of skin in the game. And to me, that's really important from your wealth manager, from your advisor, is that they actually have skin in the game too. Uh, so I launched it with my own capital and then subsequently have grown uh, originally for the first couple of years with with my own capital, but as I saw an opportunity to scale and had proof of concept of that our business model was working, I've taken in a uh, small outside investor as well. so uh, and that's helping us scale.
0: So how does that help? Why, why did you need to
1: bring in an outside investor? what did you need to accomplish that you needed that? two two things for me in particular that I was interested in one, I wanted a, a synergistic relationship, somebody that was in the wealth management business that could connect us further into what I called the intermediary world. So this business to business world where our financial products that we had built directly for the consumer in mainly Southern California, we could take those same products and concepts out to other investment advisors. And this particular investor had connections with a lot of those other advisors. Uh, which was is very helpful and we also wanted to have capital to expand personnel Uh, and so that was also helpful to bring on some high level um, analysts as well as distribution partners um, so that capital was important too.
0: that's actually mm-hmm. a really important point I think for mm-hmm. folks who are thinking about raising money so often people get so focused on why you want the capital right. or you know what the valuation mm-hmm. is and they forget that there's a lot of other benefits that bringing an investor a partner on board and you really right. sounds like you focused on someone who could in fact Make introductions to different financial advisors and actually mm-hmm. play an active role in expanding the business, right. not just
1: write you a check. I, that was a critical component to me. It wasn't. It wasn't about the money first. It was about the the introductions first and the pedigree of this particular firm that invested with us. Uh, and obviously, the culture that you get along with this particular these investors, you want to know that upfront. Uh, and some of the mistakes that I had known historically, um, you know, I was able to watch out for certain things. Uh, and, you know, I'll I'll, I'll say, a, a, you know, a, a plug for Jeremy. Obviously, y- you were involved and, and I couldn't have done it without having very competent counsel along the way, too. So that's I think that's a critical component to any sort of uh, private equity invest, uh, investment or venture investment you're going to have. You need to have competent counsel. Sure.
0: So. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, so. You obviously you you helped build a company with a number of other partners in building Altegris I'm sure you learned a lot of things really with that being effectively really your first business that you built mm-hmm. what did you learn in that process that has helped you now in
1: building the new firm mm. I would say uh, you know there I was um, the youngest of the of the partners that were a part of uh, Altegris and what I saw from the leadership and from differing opinions, I saw the, the pros and the cons of that. So uh, to me, having somebody who can be somewhat of the ballast of, uh, of a partnership or even employees that can bring a different opinion. Um, so I'm typically coming up with ideas and concepts and pushing things forward. I like to have somebody there who's questioning that um, and constantly questioning it to make sure that were staying within the bounds of, uh, of our cash flow needs, staying within the bounds of our mission uh, and our goals. Um, so we had a really good synergy that way uh, at my old firm. And I think I've developed that at my new firm as well. And I think that's critical to have, uh, to, to be successful. You need to have those differing opinions.
0: Now did you learn that the hard way or was it something that you knew from the very beginning that you needed to have that other, you know, that other person to kind of make things more
1: operational? I think that there's if you go into this world of starting your own business or being a partner with others you and you don't expect that you're going to make mistakes or have relationships that that are all going to work out all the time i think you're 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 definitely coming at it with a a naive you know sense of what reality is so i learned a lot having been with the my former partners for 16 years they're all great people um and but we also had disagreements and you, you're able to shape with AlphaCore, was able to shape who I was going to bring on, who I was willing to hire, um, who, whether that was employees, partners in the business. Um, and I, I'm able to say probably make less mistakes than I would have 10 years ago. Don't we all hope so yeah, as we yes, get a little, so. doing a little more experience? <laughs> I always
0: like to joke, right? I'm still going to make mistakes, but hopefully there'll be different ones. Yeah,
1: that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, that's what my wife says too. So uh, I think, yeah, I think there's, you You can catch yourself making the same mistake and at least you can stop yourself. Um, but, you know, it doesn't mean you're always going to avoid them. Um, and you can learn from them. So even you know, these new mistakes, like you say, you learn from those new mistakes. Absolutely. Uh, and then you move forward. So, so you and your
0: partners built this business at some point you decided to sell the business mm-hmm. what factors come into deciding to sell a successful business
1: Oh well that's a lot theres a, there's, there's quite a few I, I would say uh, we had a partnership there um, led by uh, who led by Johnson who was a great great leader um, we all agreed that there was a certain timing aspect to the marketplace, at least where we were, Um, as well as what ended up being um, our eventual acquirer. They had synergies for us as well. So they had acquired an asset management firm prior to us that we knew would be a great synergistic partner uh, for us after the acquisition. Um, And so that was a key component to agreeing to sell. Um, it was also, you know, for years, there was a lot of our own capital on the line every day. Uh, and I think a lot of us were ready to take some of that off the table. Um, and also we had, you know, some of us were older in age and, and were looking to potentially work a little bit less and potentially retire. So that those are all factors in, in why we agreed to sell.
0: Yeah, so this is, I think this is great because I think mm-hmm. our listeners gonna need to kind of focus on when they're running a business There is a kind of an appropriate time to start thinking about selling It's right. it can just be timing because of the markets or because of how the business is doing mm-hmm. It can be individual timing because it's like you indicate the age of folks or other plans right. It also could be time to get a little bit of a diversification mm-hmm. as, as entrepreneurs, you know You spend
1: your whole life building one asset yeah. and uh, that's a risky position to be in. That's right That's right. You you know Especially if in the investment management business. So if you own that business and you're an investor of the business, so you're you're kind of doubling up on your exposure, uh, and that can be good and it can be bad. It's good for the customers because they know you're looking out for your best interest and their best interest. Uh, but if that's the only thing you've really have as far as an investment, um, you want to potentially diversify that. And you can see that across multiple disciplines, whether that's real estate or tech, uh, and you want to, um, at some point in your life, diversify that.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So the sale process, again, probably a lot happened during that sales process that was interesting and learning opportunities. So now looking forward, let's assume at some point in time, you may choose it's time to sell AlphaCore. Looking back from the experience of having sold your first company, Altegra's what lessons do you want to remember when you begin the sales process now for your new company
1: i think we're going to have a very well thought out succession plan uh in place of who would be the next in charge um, prior to doing that Um, because i'd like to see this name and this firm live on longer than me Um, it's Honestly, part of the reason why it was not named with my name in it at all, I want this firm to be a long-lasting, you know, multi-decade firm uh, in, in San Diego for years to come. So what that means for me is I've got to continue to groom people um, who can be in managerial positions, potentially step up to C-level positions if and when that day comes. Right. Uh, I'm not anywhere near close to retirement right now. So, uh, but I know, you know, at some point that will happen and uh, I'm pretty excited about the the personnel we have on our team and our staff right now that, that they'll be able to step into those roles.
0: Wonderful. So, if I'm sitting out there listening to this podcast, I'm thinking about it's time for me to start my own investment management business. What advice would you have for me as I'm beginning that process to start my own
1: business? Well, there's well, that's a good question, but there's probably two components. One, I would say you have to be ready to take a leap, right? You have to say, you can't just say it, you just audit. You have to start doing it. And when you start doing it, that means registering uh, an LLC or, you know, getting yourself um, you know set up to put some capital at work or soliciting investors if you need them, you have to just actually start doing the work. And I, I have seen and heard so many people talk about that they're going to launch a new business uh, and then they never actually do it. Um, so I would say that's step number one. It's kind of obvious, but it's actually not easy. The next. So, so
0: start, start doing the things that one would be doing and starting the business even before
1: you started it. Exactly. Okay. Start acting like, start putting together a, a, you know, a budget, a plan, uh, a timeline. Start doing those things rather than talking about those things. Uh, and then the next thing I would say, you need to have somebody who is an advocate for you, uh, whether that's an attorney or it's a, a friend or it's your spouse, somebody that's in your corner, that's also a, an advocate. So things are going to get tough even throughout a launch process. And you want somebody there to, to, that has your back and tells you you can do it, that you can actually make this happen and who believes in you. Um, because sometimes you'll get you know you might get to the eighth or ninth inning of launching a business and then you kind of say oh you know what it's too much risk it's too difficult I'm not going to do it Um, so you need to have that person with you or group of people that can help you get over that hurdle
0: is it it important is it important in this business to have you know a mentor someone who's done it before as a consultant by your side or can you do this kind of more independently
1: I mean there's obviously people who have done it both ways to me I think it's, it's really important to have a mentor I I had for in, in in a very you know very easy to see way my former partners were mentors to me um, and in at AlphaCore I've got mentors as well uh, I consider you a mentor and so for for me there's if you can have somebody who is also your attorney that understands the legal world on top of just business acumen, uh, I think it's also really important. So uh, I've surrounded myself with those types of people. Um, our, our clients are those types of people too, which is really helpful. Um, so uh, I would say I prefer that method. Um, there are obviously those, those lone wolves out there, uh, maybe at, at the outset, but even, even the, the Jeff Bezos of the world are not lone wolves anymore, I mean, there's, it's impossible.
0: So as we wrap up, I mean it's very exciting what's happened with AlphaCore. Obviously, it's been growing and been having a lot of success. What is it that you're most excited about as you've seen the business evolve?
1: I have really embraced what's happening um, from, from the demographics that are going on in the, in the country and the world. Um, and what I mean by that is the wealth management space is evolving dramatically. So the what used to be done with a fax uh, or uh, you know on paper or excel uh, is now dramatically different from when i got into the business when i when i got into the business there was no internet right so uh, things are so different from a technological perspective Uh, that means that as an investor your investment choices are in my mind much better much more diverse uh, but also can be more complex so We've embraced from a wealth management perspective, not only the kind of financial planning side of the business, which is critical, we've also been involved with uh, financial technology. So we've launched a tool, uh, it's it's a portfolio allocation tool that helps our clients Uh, blend together uh, multi-strategies into one portfolio so that you're not just dependent upon what stocks or bonds do. Uh, You can also rely on alternative return streams. And so that fintech world uh, is exciting for me. And it's something that we are just getting into the early stages. And I think most everybody in the future is going to have some component of their portfolio or their advisor using some sort of financial technology.
0: There's interesting this marriage of technology
1: in the financial world. There's a lot a lot happening in that space as you know. Oh yes. Uh, I think that um, you know if you look back 10 years ago you might still meet with your financial advisor or an email that would come across that would you know give you a paper copy or something. But today uh, that's becoming more and more obsolete. Um, Things are found online. Uh, Data can be aggregated online. So uh, and, and as the world becomes more global, you want to have access to those global markets online. Uh, and uh, for the client base we talk to, and, and most all clients, they're, they're looking at different, without getting too much in the weeds, risk factors that are available. Uh, and so if you looked at stocks or bonds or real estate, they all have certain risk characteristics. But there are other risk characteristics you can get from commodities or currencies Or risk premia from other alternative strategies and that's becoming more mainstream you can get invested in those in mutual funds or ETFs uh, and you need to have a tool that can help aggregate that all together and that's what we've created um, a new entity called AlphaCore Technologies that that actually uh, launched a tool called the factory and uh, factory with an E not a Y uh, that was a brainchild of mine, uh, which was pretty fun, um, and uh, and so it's gotten a lot of traction, and we're really excited about that that marriage of the two. Well, that's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: thank you so much, Dick, for taking the time to, to speak with us and to our listeners. Really appreciate you coming by.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: I am Jeremy Glazer of Men's Levin, and thank you for listening to this edition of From the Edge.